When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're out there yeah. and you're hearing all this information about what you should do. The first thing that you could do to make this person feel safe is, is share a little bit of yourself. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know, how, how are you approaching things? That sort of makes them feel a little bit more comfortable. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is session number 89, and my name is Andy Hill, and today is the first Monday of the month, my friends. That means we're answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. And to help us with answering this month's question, I thought I'd shake it up a little bit. I've invited my good friend, El Martinez, on the show today. How's hey. it going, El? Going pretty well. I'm excited about this. What is going on in your world lately? Well, it's summertime, so we are planning our summer trip. We're getting ready. We're packing. Uh, and we're going to enjoy some relaxing time as a family. I love that. I love summer. I just we we joined yes. this uh, local swim club um, just Ooh. down the street. So we are doing our very best to go there as much as possible. And um, it's just so great to just we 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 really enjoy summers in Michigan because our winters. Oh, they uh they've got some <laughs> they got some uh, breadth to them. Let's just say pretty deep. <laughs> So, got some hardcore winters. Exactly, okay. <laughs> exactly. So cool. Well, you know, L, I'm I'm excited that you're here today. Uh, you and I have been um, in touch for oh, at, least, at least over a year now on yeah. our both of our podcast journey and all the fun things that we're working on. So you were the first person I thought of when I said, "Hey, I want to bring somebody on and uh, you know have a little fun guest host, answer a question together." And uh, so I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you. I'm I'm really excited. I, I love talking about not just like the finances. I know you and I can go down that rabbit hole of numbers, but <laughs> just building up families and making finances not a stress, but actually something you can work together towards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couple money. It's a, it's a great show, and uh, we're going to chat a little bit about yep. that later on. But let's jump to uh, our question of the month, and it comes in from Paul from Detroit. Okay. Hi, Andy. Paul here from Detroit. Really enjoying your podcast. I've been into personal finance and investing and financial independence for a number of years, uh, and I really enjoy uh, learning about those topics. I often have friends and family members come up, um, approach me with questions about um, investing, and I enjoy speaking with people about these topics, but I do find it challenging in that money can be a very emotional topic and can invoke uh, you know, negative feelings like shame or guilt. And uh, it, it's also a very uh, can be a very overwhelming topic for people, and um, you know when you start speaking with people about these ideas and they don't know much about them, uh, they can just get overwhelmed and maybe not do anything. So my question for you is: How do you effectively uh, speak with people in your life lives about 
financial independence and investing in money without alienating or overwhelming them? So that's a, that's a really good question. I think, you know, you and I were just chatting about how you and I could go deep into the financial weeds and it's no big deal for us, but there's lots of people out there that this is a, a pretty taboo topic, right? Yeah, and I think one of the advantages of what we discuss is the whole part of marriage is communication. So I, th- I think we can help out with this question. Um but yeah, a lot of people, let's be honest, like when I started learning about finances, I felt a lot of what Paul had said. I felt overwhelmed. I realized I was in a ton of having a ton of debt. I didn't know where to start because it seemed like there were so many different pieces of advice. And you've seen this with the clickbaity headlines, the magazines, like this is what you invest in. This is what you invest in and it will cure all your problems. Um, So I I would say the first step is you don't be the person that goes and talks about the finances. I, I think that's part of the the intimidation. Mm. If you attack it first, um, instead maybe start sharing your story. If you're going to begin this conversation, um, what goals are you working towards? I would say it's the first step is let's talk about like why is financial independence important to the person asking the question and then also for yourself because then that's that's more approachable, you know? I, I completely agree. And I, your, your, your approach there is like from a safe place, right? You're out there yeah. and you're hearing all this information about what you should do. The first thing that you could do to make this person feel safe is – is share a little bit of yourself. What what are you what are you doing? You know, how how are you approaching things? That sort of makes them feel a little bit more comfortable. And and I think um, you hit it on the head too. Only provide this advice or help if people are asking for it. Since it's so personal, you know, if you go up and say, "Hey, you look like you could use help with money," I don't think that's going to go very well. <laughs> yeah, and and then also the assumptions because, for example. Um, when we first talked about money, we were engaged and on the surface, it looked like things are going well, but it wasn't what it seemed. So whenever you approach people and they didn't ask for your advice, you really do also run the risk of you're making assumptions about one, how much money they're making, what debt load they're carrying. There's, it's like a, like a minefield and you really don't want to put yourself out there until you know if one, they're interested in it, Hmm. you know, for them, they may be in debt, but if they're not of the mindset that they want to change that, or if they're not the mindset, I want to try something new. Cause you'll, I think you've gotten this too. Sometimes you get emails from people where they're saying, I'm ready to change. And you might offer one suggestion and all of a sudden you get like this paper, this email with like five bullet points, why that won't work for them uh. in their specific situation. You know, and if they had put that effort into like, how can I make this work? They would make some progress. So gauge like how are the, how interested are they doing um, in becoming financially independent? You know, Absolutely. a lot of people do talk about it, um, and and just kind of throw a softball, like, hey, by the way, you know, one of my biggest expenses was eating out, and I was surprised to find I spent, you know, for me it was like a couple hundred dollars, which might not seem like a lot for some people, but I was a working college student, mm-hmm. and so like when you open it up like that. See if they're ready to even do like a self-examination because I think that's one of those key parts where how do you know if someone's ready to change is one, 
they're, they're kind of telling you, they're giving you the hint, like I'm sick and tired of where I am now. And then to what step, even if it's not the right step, what step are they taking either to become aware or to start moving in a direction that's different than where they are? Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and you know, sharing personal things, like you said, like what you do as opposed to what they should do would seem a little bit less, you know, preachy or, you know, yeah. um, intimidating. And then you kind of bring them into like the trust tree a little bit, you know, from uh, what does that mean? Meet the Fockers. <laughs> the, the ring of trust. Yes. <laughs> the, oh, circle of trust. We, That's right. Circle of trust. We're in. We're in here. I like your tree of trust, though. There that you go. feels like a family. That's Ooh. like. Oh, I, I think we got something here. The trust tree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, th- and this is a cool way because you're, you're allowing them to you know, almost find the solution on their own, too. So if you're sharing, like, for example, you just said, Hey, when I was trying to get out of debt, you know, eating out was a big thing for me. That way you're giving them, okay, well, maybe it's not eating out, but it's, um, man, do I love going to getting drinks with my friends at the bar or something like that. So that's sort of my couple hundred dollar a month vice. So then you're, you're, you're bringing it to them and then they start to think about, oh, how can I solve my own problem? That's very personal to me because that's what personal finance is. It's very personal. So, Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you bring up a great point because they could have the same goal that you have, which is financial independence, but the method they use to get there could be different than yours. And you have to kind of recognize that, for example, like uh, for some people with financial independence, their investing strategy is index funds, low cost index funds. For others, they're going to start a business. For others, they're going to get into real estate or it could be a mix. And so that isn't necessarily like a right versus wrong. It is uh, they're looking at the information and then they're going to go their path. And so when you when you put it out there, just also know that they might not go the way that you went because that worked for you. They're going to hopefully take the principle that you're trying to convey like, hey, unnecessary expenses are eating up your future. Mm-hmm. And then they find where in their budget or where in their plan they're going to redirect that money. Um, and then support them, of course, you know, whatever changes they make, even if it's small. Like, you, I mean, you don't have to be overboard like, oh, my gosh, that was the greatest thing ever. But, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I know that's tough, but that is a huge step that you just took. Um, and that support and encouragement goes a long way. Absolutely. You know, I, I was reading some of these uh, articles about about this type of topic, and um, you know, uh, some surveys came up about you know why people don't want to talk about money like this, and it's one of it. One of the main pieces is just intimidation. And I was thinking about it because you and I kind of get all nerdy about this stuff, but you know, maybe the jargon that we use or the conversations. If if you were to have a conversation with somebody who's not into this all the time, like we are we would probably have to be careful about the jargon that we use, you know, even just, you know, 529 and 401k and HSA. And it's like, whoa, what, what are you talking about, man? You know, do you, do you feel like yeah. that, that might uh, scare people off? Yeah. And that was one of the reasons when I created the podcast, I don't, I don't shy away from the jargon because I feel that helps you become more informed. But at the same time, I realize I need to make it as clear as possible. And like, Try to speak in a way that most of us do day to day, because if you understand the the principles behind it, then the jargon is less intimidating. Because at, at some point, and I hope this happens with, uh, with listeners as they progress, a lot of them have been telling me at a certain point, 
they talk to a financial planner. They they feel informed. They got the basics down, but now they want something that's very tailored um, and very specific to their situation. You know, which you and I can give some great um, advice on what's worked for us. But like those tax implications, each state is different. When they have the foundation, I say, you know, the the concepts down, and then they get the the jargon. They are so empowered that when they go forward, now they can talk to a financial planner, not feel intimidated. Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard some people say, like, thank you, because now I can ask them questions before I would never ask them questions. I would never push back, not to fight the advice, but they would feel like, well, if they said it, then I'm going to do it instead right. of, well, why do you think this is going to work for me? How does this fit in with my big picture goal that I just told you about? I think that's a great point. And, and um, you know, I would say to Paul, if you get to that point where where your family is asking you some pretty in-depth questions, don't don't feel bad about saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not a professional. I'm I'm not a money coach. I'm not a CFP. You know, I'm not a, you know, fiduciary. But here are some that I could refer you to." You know, I mean, you don't you don't want Paul to think like, "Oh, he's got to solve everybody's problems even <laughs> if he's if he's read some articles or listened to podcasts about financial independence because you and I, you know, we're not professional experts on this. We just love nerding nerding out on this stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that that's a that's a slippery slope like you said, like we need to mm-hmm. You know, know where the line of I've learned some good stuff towards, hey, I have some very complicated questions about the Roth conversion ladder. Like, okay, that's when, you know, maybe a professional should help, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's good, though, to just have these conversations where you're not getting into the weeds and getting technical, not only because, you know, everyone's personal situation is different. You have no idea because they only tell you part of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but also what you're trying to do is make talking about money less intimidating, make it part of a normal conversation, just like you're talking about whether and people kind of laugh, you know, when they first hear it, like, that's not really a conversation starter, but you can make it part of your conversation, weave it in. And, and I would say that, like, for me, the last tip with Paul is if they ask you advice, kind of do it like a nice little tidbit and then pull away. Don't spend two hours telling them, okay, let me lay this out for you. (laughs) They ask a question, give them a little bit. Don't, you know, give them a fire hose of information. This sounds like it's coming from personal experience, Al. Is that true? (laughs) I've been on both sides. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've had my eyes glaze over, you know, when we had my, what was it? My first job, I was working in college at a doctor's office and they brought someone from Merrill Lynch and really nice guy. But it just was ton of jargon. Yeah. Like Fire you could have saw us with the luncheon. I, I was like, man, is this going to be over? I just want to eat my pizza. <laughs> 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 you know, and then on the other side is when you're excited about your journey and then you feel like, for example, getting out of debt, like there's so many options and freedom. You're just like, I got to tell you about this. So I've been there on both sides and I know from personal experience, you're probably going to get people to do more if you kind of pull back a little bit and just tidbits. tidbits. I love that. I, I can picture myself after like reading the total money makeover in like 2011 and just spewing to everybody I saw, you need to get out of debt. You need to get out of debt. Don't buy that car. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm a little more calm, you know. Yes. <laughs> now I only rant about it on a weekly basis, right? 
There you go. I mean, you just now you broadcast it on the podcast. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. I think, um, Paul. I I hope that helps. I think we covered some good stuff there. You know, one one thing we started to poke at a little bit is just is just money in general being a topic. You know that that people don't want to discuss, and um, you know probably less so than even taboo topics like sex and religion like people would rather rather talk about those than money and i don't know it's something that um i've talked about on the show a couple times Mm -hmm. uh and i I challenge people to do but yeah you got to do it in a safe place you got to make people feel comfortable uh you don't want to intimidate them you don't want to make them feel insecure sometimes if you don't have a lot of money you know, talking mm-hmm. about it makes you feel a little bit insecure. And then on the other end, if you got a lot of money, you don't want to feel too showboaty, right? Yeah. So there's a sort of weird line, you know, because everybody wants to fit in and feel part of a pack. You know, I, have yeah. you dealt with some of that on, on your show or just in life personally? I, I've dealt with it. Like um, one big change, like when we started getting out of debt, we did a monthly net worth update. And at the beginning, you know, like you got these negative numbers yeah. and you're making progress. And I felt like that was one to keep us accountable, but something encouraging and relatable. Mm-hmm. And so I had done that month after month. And then at a certain point when we reached like $100,000 of, you know, for our net worth, yeah. which was mind blowing. Like if you told me years ago, I was like, no, that's ridiculous. I stopped putting that on the site because, again, I kind of feel like the way you do. I want to be relatable mm-hmm. um, and what the journey is for couples. And I felt like the net worth updates had served their purpose for the community. Now, we still do our net worth updates monthly. Um, but something that I'm I'm toying around with on my newsletter is instead sharing our spending plans for the month. Hmm. I feel like that's another way to kind of approach it. So when you're in a, having a conversation, you feel like, okay, this could get awkward one way or the other. Maybe turn it to a different facet that everyone can relate to. Like we talk about goals a lot. I know you do too, yeah. what you guys are working towards, how that's motivating you. And that can be an approachable way to talk about finances without feeling one way or the other ashamed or embarrassed or kind of like, I don't want to be a show off. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, I, I've been sharing the net worth uh, on on some mm-hmm. articles and things like that mm-hmm. on my on my site. But I, I do have that feeling sometimes where it's like, you know, when do I get to a point where this is less encouraging and more discouraging? Um, so I don't know, that's, that's a very good uh, thing for me to think about. I've been doing that uh, for the past couple of years. And I, w- I want to help people, but I yeah. also don't want to. I don't want to discourage them, being like, "Oh, well, that's just that's just way too far away." But it's all relative, right? I mean, yeah, you know, every I mean, every community is different, and every person's different. Because yeah. I've had people like, "Well, I really miss it." And I was like, "Okay, I'll still share it, and maybe in the newsletter, you know, updates what's going on." Um, but it's finding that balance, mm-hmm. and so a lot of couples when they first come on the site they are not on the same page and they're in debt. And I feel like that snapshot of our journey is really encouraging. But then, you know, that's something we all have to decide and there's no right or wrong because like what Jay Money likes to put his net worth, I think he's like 600 or almost 700,000. And I'm like, oh, tell me more. I want to see what happens. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I'm so excited about It's like a soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, what, what do you find encouraging? And I do tell my community, like, take what's worked for us, look at the principle behind it, and then make it your own. 
in, in the spirit of, uh, you know, getting people all excited about big goals, Hell, yeah. I thought it would be fun if you and I shared some of our goals. I know we don't have to do network. Okay. Because <laughs> we just touched on that. But um, let's, let's break all those okay. money taboo rules right now. Okay. <laughs> and let's do it. And break down a little bit of our goals. So uh, it sounds like you're in. <laughs> yeah, let's cool. do it. All right, cool. So let's share um, two goals. You know, back in January, everybody gets mm-hmm. all excited. We set some, set some goals, right? Maybe we're going to the gym like every day. And yeah. we do the same thing with our money, right? We're saying, hey, we're going to get out of debt. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So I like to do a check-in at the middle of the year. And now that it is July 2nd, we are going to do this check-in and you know hold myself accountable as well as you. Mm-hmm. And then actually after that, I have a couple other folks that I'm going to share their progress as well nice. that are in the Marriage, Kids, and, Com- and Money community. So this should be fun. Okay. So um, to just keep this harmony of the safe trust tree that (laughs) we created together. I'll start off with sharing one of mine first. Okay. So goal number one was to buy our first rental property. So I know you and I have been chatting about that for Mm -hmm. a while, and I love, um, you know, keeping, keeping you updated too. So, so far we are, so we're halfway through the year. We've saved up $32,000 in a savings account. So we're excited about that. Yes. And we've narrowed down the areas that we want to buy in Metro Detroit because there are certain areas where it's like, all right, these are really nice areas, but it's very expensive Mm -hmm. to buy there. And Mm -hmm. these are other parts of Detroit that are maybe in what they call like C or D class where it's maybe a little dangerous and you don't want to buy there or it doesn't have a really opportunity for growth. So we're trying to find somewhere in the middle and we're finding those good working class areas in Metro Detroit where we can make some good money and Mm -hmm. also it's decently close to our house. So we've narrowed down those areas and another another progress is that nicole and i have just made the decision to buy in cash so um that it's sort of falling in this debt-free plan that we've been going Mm -hmm. but given that it's gonna take us a lot longer than doing it this year yeah (laughs) well yeah yeah no but that is fantastic because here in raleigh it's a hot market it's definitely a seller's market and i've had friends that have tried to buy and people who have the cash of course boom Right. advantage you know because it's one and done boom yeah so that, that's heard, a, i mean I've that's heard a that great as an advantage yeah absolutely so yeah it's probably not going to be this year but um yeah and so so raleigh if you were looking mm-hmm. in that area just for frame of reference because we've got people listening from california or from new york okay. or like oh my god you better save more than 30 30 000 bucks andy um but there's some houses that we're looking for in this in this area, you know, Oak Park, Madison Heights. It doesn't mean anything to anybody who's not from this area. But mm-hmm. um, you know, sixty thousand to eighty thousand dollar houses that are nice, that are you know wow. maybe got to put a little bit of money into. But overall, you know, you can get a good home in that area that um, you could get a good um, rent on. So Raleigh, are you are you guys look at any uh, rental properties uh, in the future? Or have you looked at anything like that? So I will say like. Long term, my hope is to gently persuade ah, <laughs> my husband go. to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it's hot. We've moved Raleigh. I want to say we've been here about ten years. Yeah, and it now the median home sale is like three hundred thousand. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, we're five minutes from downtown. Mm-hmm. Like I've researched for two years, even before we were officially looking for when we had the townhouse to this we call like our forever home base because we want to do some travel. Um, we got a really good deal on this 
And so we were able to negotiate it down and we got we got it just under 150. Nice. When did you so buy it? So we bought it 2 years ago and that's actually that's like great. one of our goals this year is to finish the basement. So nice. I we have a good sized basement. I want to say about 900 square feet. Yep. And it's halfway done. And we're like this would be a great studio for work. So like right now I'm recording downstairs in the basement. Kids are upstairs sleeping when, um, and then my husband now is working from home twice a week. And so we were talking about, this would be great for us to kind of have a space. And then during the day we'd have a little area for, um, the girls because mm-hmm. we have one that's in a year round school. So her schedule is a little different. And then we have our three-year-old that stays home. So we could all be together, even if we're, you know, working. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, what, that sounds so, like you got a good deal and you guys are creating the, the home of your dreams. That's awesome. And it, it, takes, it takes work. So, I mean, I don't like say I'm a, a real estate guru, but yeah. if you're will, willing to put in the effort and then ha- like you mentioned, analyze the neighborhoods, that was mm-hmm. something that I wanted to really feel comfortable, you know, when you, especially when you got two little yeah. kids, like how are the schools, how's the neighborhood, um, how are the neighbors and everything. And so like this was a very good match. So that's in January. That's the goal. We're like, we're going to finish the basement. And the initial ballpark estimate we got was ten to 15,000 because mm-hmm. some of the stuff's done, but we still need drywall. We need to electrical, um, finish up the bathroom. It's, it's a done bathroom except for one little detail. There's no door. So that's, <laughs> that's important, especially if you're going to be working down there with little kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And eventually we do want to turn this into a possible um, apartment, one for my mom down the line. She's young, so mm-hmm. we got years. But should something happen, yep. we would like to have the option of maybe this being a rental income. Great. That's as excellent. a possibility. So is that one of your yeah. goals for 2018 to finish up this basement? Yes. So we we use 15,000 as a gauge and so we are right at that mark. So once we get back from our trip, I'm actually going to call two more contractors to get an, a firm estimate about how much it's going to be and start getting the ball rolling on that. Perfect. Excellent. Well, yeah. that's great progress. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. We're really excited about that. Excellent. I know, nerding it up. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Ho- the home is um, you know, somewhere where you spend so much time and your kids yeah. grow up and they make so many memories there. So you want to make it feel like just the perfect place for them to be. So I completely understand that. Well, cool. So that's, uh, yeah. so that, that's goal number one for L. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So let's jump into goal number two. Uh, okay. Goal number two for us was to go on a five-day family vacation uh, that we could use travel rewards to help us to do that. And I'm happy mm-hmm. to report we, we did that. We did that last month, and we went to an all-inclusive resort in Cabo for five nights it was a $6,300 trip that we only paid 300 bucks for. So we were Sweet. very excited. <laughs> Lot, lots of hard work, lots of spreadsheet mm-hmm. tracking, lots of partnership with my wife. And yeah, proud of that one. That, that one went really well. Nice. Nice. Okay. I feel like we're on the same wavelength because you were talking about houses and I had oh, a perfect. Household. Oh, I can't wait to so, hear yours now. <laughs> so like um, one of the things we said is as we reached that milestone, we paid off the last student loan and not having that debt hold us down. We wanted to, as a family, travel more, take opportunities. So, you know, my little one, like I mentioned, is in a year round school. So how that works is nine weeks on about three to four weeks off. Mm-hmm. So 
that's kind of like our goal is, do we have trips planned uh, around that time? And this year, we're going on our, our second like family trip. We did the beach trip in April, and then now we're going to go to the mountains over in Denver. We're going to be enjoying some family time. We got a house. We're renting it uh, with some other family members. And uh, then October is like the last big family trip That's that great. we have the money saved. We have not picked out the destination. Awesome. Well, that I mean, I, I don't. I don't think it's too too crazy that we, you and I have similar goals. We want to make the house perfect, and then we want to yeah. enjoy trips with the family because that's what it's about. Make the yeah. make the nest really nice, but then leave the nest and go <laughs> to beautiful places. <laughs> yes, yes, and I think we like our kids are also now getting to the stage where you can relax during the vacation. I know, like. Some parents listening, like, what are you talking about? But right. it, like when you had a two, when we had our two year old, she's a sweet kid, but she's a two year old. Yes. So there's all like almost a, you're still exhausted at the trip because you know you're juggling at that time like a five and a two year old. Oh my goodness! But it feels like a world away now that they're a little bit older. Um, that we can all relax. And so I'm really excited about that. I've heard about this fantasy land of, of like <laughs> eight and six or, or, oh. or 10 and eight where where everything's just perfect and they, they go off and they do their own thing or, you know. And then eventually maybe, maybe we get to the point where we're like, well, how come they don't want to hang out with us anymore? <laughs> I know, I know. So like what we've, done for the, <laughs> what we've done is um, we take advantage of grandmas. Mm-hmm. And so, so sometimes with trips, we will pay for grandma to join us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been gracious enough to return the favor by letting us have some date nights. <laughs> Gotta so, love the grandma. Yeah, Gotta nice love the grandma. Nice little uh, trip and uh, win-win for the family. They get to hang out with their, you know, grandma. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Elle, I, I, I think this was awesome for us to share some goals. I have uh, yeah. three other folks that are open and honest about their goals for 2018. Nice. And I want to share their progress with you. Okay. The, the trust tree grows, my friend. <laughs> so number one is Suzanne from Arizona. And she blogs at the $76,000 project. Ooh. And it's aptly titled as she's looking to crush $76,000 in consumer debt in five years. So I connected with her at the beginning of the year, and she had already paid off fifteen thousand of the seventy six, nice. and her, and just paid off her second credit card. So now, just checking in with her halfway through the year, she's happy to report that she's cut her total debt by twenty five thousand dollars now. Whoa! So her seventy five or seventy six thousand dollar project is now a fifty one thousand dollar project. So. And uh, she's almost done with that third credit card as well. She's nipping at that. I think it's got like two or three thousand dollars left on it. So she's very uh, pumped about that. Congrats! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Elle, did credit cards ever get a hold of you during your uh, personal finance oh, yeah. journey? Oh yeah, I was the college kid. I- I'm ashamed. I didn't even like get a cool reward for it. I think it was <laughs> like before iPods, mm. whatever the the uh, music player was, and a T-shirt for signing up for those cards. So oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they used to get us on the college campuses, man. I think I think they've. I asked I asked my nephew the other day who goes to Michigan State. He's twenty one. I said, Hey, do you ever see those guys at the 
football games or the basketball games trying to get you to sign up for a credit card if they give you a t-shirt and he's like no i never see those people and i'm like maybe maybe they curtailed that on on college i hope campuses. so i mean i remember seeing them at like subway right across the street from campus <laughs> oh jeez. and and like that was my moment where i felt like oh well i'm smart i'm not gonna get a credit card for a sandwich <laughs> But I'll get it for a MP3 <laughs> player. <laughs> All right, cool. So number two here is Tyler from Michigan, and he left us a voicemail. Yo, Andy, this is Tyler from Livonia. I called back in late March about going from a dual-income family down to a single-income family and wanted to give you a quick update on what's going on with us. So one of the steps he threw out there was eliminate your debt. Uh, we got our credit cards down to zero paid off a small furniture loan, and now we're just attacking our remaining car loan as well as uh, some remaining student loans from my West graduate school. Another one was trim back the unnecessary expenses. Um, we've cut back on some subscription services, pushed out some vacations, and uh, going out to eat less. So going out with a two-year-old anyway is, is kind of chaotic. So that was okay for us. Um, next, you had said practice living on one salary. So this one's really exciting for us. We are now living off of 50% of my wife's income and applying the rest to exclusively paying, paying down debt. So really excited for that one. Um, one of the other steps was increase your income. Uh, one of the things that I'm working on right now is really illustrating my value to my company and um, getting hopefully a significant raise this year. And then finally, and, and most importantly, is, is realizing that being a stay-at-home mom is not a luxury. Amen, brother. Um, it is amazing work uh, that, that my wife puts puts forth uh, for our son, and especially over the summer now that she's a teacher. Um, and an amazing, amazing amount of work. So um, I definitely, definitely realize that. And finally, um, quick update for you. Hey, we have baby number two on the way in November. So we're super excited about that and all the more reason for us to, uh, to share this common goal and work towards it uh, for my wife to stay home with our kids. Thanks so much for the help, man. See ya. Excellent. Well, this... This That's was so really awesome. fun to hear, you know, uh, Tyler's looking to um, set up a situation where his wife can, you know, stop working and take care of. Now there are two. <laughs> two kids. It changes. Oh, you yeah. you know, Andy. Oh, yeah. Two changes everything. <laughs> it sure does. You feel like you're like, okay, this one, I got this down. And then two comes in. You're like, ah, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any experience transitioning from uh you know a certain amount of income then to another income in your in your marriage um uh, journey l yes um one added necessity like i mentioned we got married i was wrapping up college he had his first job after college and at that time i had an internship which was an awesome internship except for i didn't know how long it was going to last so one of the first decisions we made was let's keep our bills and expenses under one income. And I'd love to say like that was our, our genius aha moment. And we realized it at that time. It was more of a practical decision, but it's been tremendous for everything um, down the line. It just given us a lot of buffer and wiggle room. Like um, Tyler had mentioned, you know, like to pay down debt, it has to, the money has to come from somewhere. And so, I would say like that was one of the big wins we had in our marriage. And at that time, we didn't even realize how big it was. Yeah. And that's I, yeah. I love that mantra, you know, that you have on your on your site, too. That's that's a ton of fun because you can you can mm -hmm. you can really create some major opportunity for your family when you when you do that. So, yeah, very cool. Well, the last Thanks. one is Emily from Washington. Uh, I connected with her at the beginning of the year about crushing her credit card and student loan debt. 
and she was on a mission to become completely debt-free. And I recently just saw on Twitter, she shared it with her Twitter family, <laughs> that she's now under $10,000 in credit wow. card debt awesome. for the first time in 10 years. So this is like a, this is a big moment for her. She's taking control and she's just really proud of the results. You can see, I'll post her, um, she her, should be. her tweet on, uh, in the show notes, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty exciting. She said, I'm literally cr- crying at my desk on, on just based on this balance. So, I mean, what an emotional, oh. what a cool emotional win for her. So super exciting. Yeah. Congrats. I, I think we, when you're in debt, sometimes you don't realize how much of a burden it is until you start the journey and you're making progress. And then when you're completely out, you're like, Oh my gosh. I mean, like it feels like a weight is lifted. Oh, absolutely. So if somebody's listening to this right now, L and they are maybe in a little bit of credit card debt, what do you think the best single step, like one, one thing that they could do today to start making a, start making a difference? It is automate your payments. I, I know like, wow, that doesn't sound exciting. But like when you make a commitment and you're saying, I'm going to knock it out like extra, even if it's an extra like 50 bucks a month, as soon as it comes out of your mouth, go put it on and put it as part of your bill pay. Make it a part of your budget. And that helped us because there's a temptation. I'm sorry. I would love to say like I had this perfect willpower. My husband had this perfect willpower. But what helped us a lot was in the middle and the thick of things, having those bill payments like, well, we can't spend it. It already, it already got used. You know, <laughs> you don't wait till the end of the month to make those extra payments. It just becomes a part of your habit. And then you realize you didn't really need it. Uh, and then when you reach that debt-free point, you're like, oh my gosh, how much money do I have? I mean, that's what it feels like because you're so not cool. now paying down debt. I completely agree. Take it out of your hands. Automation for the win. I, I have read that uh, book, The Automatic Millionaire. I think that's, uh, you know, he uh, automates everything yeah. or he talks about how you can automate debt freedom, automate investing, automate giving. That's it's a, it's a great book, David Bach. Yes. Well, cool. So this was awesome. I really appreciate you doing this. But so the moral of the story, everyone, is be open and share your goals and your thoughts and knowledge because uh, it just might inspire others, including your family and friends, Paul. Yes. (laughs) To win with with their money. So, Elle, you know, you and I are in a Facebook group together called Thriving Families. What, What can people expect if they come and hang out with you and I there? I'd like to say that it's kind of an online experience that they just listen to. It's just us joking around, <laughs> having a good time. We're just, to me, it's a really positive community for families that are trying to do well for their kids, their communities, their partners, um, working together and make finances go towards bigger goals. Um, I know like First step is, you know, paying off that debt and everything, but really trying to build a better life uh, for our loved ones. And I I find it a very supportive community. Um, We all bring something different to it. And I love hearing everybody's win stories on the community thread. I completely agree. Yeah, we're we're sharing victories. We're sharing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, suggestions on what people can do to make a difference. And we're getting getting a lot of people join up. I think we're close to 200 now. And would love to see you guys all there. Again, Facebook. It's called Thriving Families. If you go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group, I just made it easy. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's a couple thriving families out there uh, on Facebook. So marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. 
come hang out with us. Yeah. Doesn't cost you anything. You're not going to be sold anything there. That's a big part of it. Yeah. We're, we're not, you know, we're not pitching anything. We just wanted to create a community where you guys can hang out and have some good discussions together. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've learned so much. I mean, if we've, you know, you and I have been kind of in this journey for a few years, but like, there's so much to learn. And then we have parents that have older kids mm-hmm. that I'm like taking notes to what to do. Absolutely. So L besides the, uh, thriving families, Facebook group, where can people hang out with you more? <laughs> well, if they're looking to work together, you know, to, uh, be a team with their money, they can join me at couplemoney.com. I have the podcast videos, articles, everything's out there. Um, I, I just want to make it easier for couples to start working together, dumping their debt and, you know, get on that path to financial freedom. However, that looks to them. Excellent. Well, L, this was a blast. Thank you so much for hanging out today. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring a company that you've heard quite a bit on this show and through my blog, and that company is Tiller, the new budgeting system powered by Google Sheets. Recently, Tiller released an all-new budgeting system, and since I'm kind of a budget nerd, I wanted to learn all about it. So on the show today, I've invited the founder of Tiller, Peter Polson, to tell us more about the latest and greatest with Tiller. If you remember session 56 late last year, we spoke to Peter about how budgets can give us more control in our lives. Today, we're going to dive deeper into Tiller and learn how we can use this tool to create more financial freedom in our lives. Welcome to the show, Peter. Andy, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, it's it's like memory lane again, man. I'm so good to see you again and see your face. <laughs> I know, and you've just been uh, thriving in your podcast. You know, uh, I've actually, I really enjoy listening to it. I've enjoyed the recent episodes on on couples. I will say that it was just a few episodes back, but you had a fantastic relationship on, I think, legacy marriages, and yes. uh, and it's infused some great conversations with uh, my wife and uh, and with me. So it's uh, uh, you do great work. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I'm so excited to hear that. Yeah, I'm uh, that that couple, uh, Lance and uh, his wife uh, Brandy, were very inspiring to me. That kind of that kind of touched me personally too. So I'm I'm excited that uh, that that resonated with you and your wife as well. Well, yeah. let's let's learn about Tiller. So what's the latest and greatest with Tiller today, Peter? Yeah, so Tiller, so we talked last year in the fall, I guess. And so it's been a really uh, fast and furious and awesome uh, several months since then. We This winter, we released uh, a big new template uh, focused on helping people get out of debt. And it builds off the snowball model and is, is a amazing spreadsheet that helps you track all of your debts. Uh, and pay them off in the methodology of the snowball and track it in a spreadsheet. We followed that uh, more recently with uh, our new budget spreadsheet, which is takes budgeting in a spreadsheet to a whole new level, both the built-in dashboards and reporting, but also some of the scripts that automate the things that take time or uh, that can be a hassle in a traditional budget. We, we added envelope budgeting. We added savings goals. And we gave people more flexibility for the kind of periods they're using and for also saving historic budgets. It's all in a spreadsheet. I tell you, it's we really have maxed out what's possible in a Google Sheet with this budget, uh, new Tiller budget, and we're really excited about it. That's great. So what's the client reaction been so far from people who have been using it? 
The, the, it's been awesome. So, uh, you know, we hear from our customers a lot. This is one that came in yesterday. Uh, customer said, I'm loving your product. It saves me countless hours. I used to spend every week going over all my accounts. I've used your competitor mint for years, but I also thought they seriously lacked in the budget functionality. It was never what I wanted, which is ultimately was a full featured spreadsheet. So boom, that was, uh, uh, that was a fun one that came in yesterday. Oh, I love that. That's, that's great. Well, so how long has the company been around now? Uh, we launched commercially in 2016. We mm -hmm. uh, were founded just prior to that. We launched commercially in 2016. So we've had uh, commercial service now for uh, we're in our third year. That's great. And the adoption level has been growing since uh, 2016? It has been. It has been. And the rate has actually been picking up. You know, we're we're seeing we're finding more and more people finding us uh, people who are searching for topics around finance and spreadsheets, personal finance and spreadsheets are finding us. And uh, folks like you are sharing us. And and uh, and so it's actually it's been it's been uh, uh, it's been a great uh, wild ride. Well, yeah. I love I love connecting with you. We had a we had a great connection when we when we met at uh, FinCon. And anybody that's all about helping people to grow their wealth and take control of their finances, I am all about it. So you'll hear me talking about Tiller as much <laughs> as much as I can. So, you know, uh, some of the people maybe didn't listen to our last interview. Just give us a little bit of skinny on Tiller. You and I were talking shop there about all the new enhancements. But what can people expect just by engaging with Tiller? And what can that do for them? Sure, sure. Great question. So, Tiller is the most powerful way to manage your budget in a spreadsheet. Uh, it's the only platform that feeds all your data into a spreadsheet from all your linked bank accounts, credit card, checking, mortgage, 401k, student loan, whatever. If it's a financial account, you can link it into Tiller. Tiller is going to update your transactions every day from all of your accounts in your spreadsheet. It's always going to pull, pull in your latest balances. So at the core, Tiller is really about empowering people to, to manage their finances in a spreadsheet. It, it actually started... We didn't think we were building a spreadsheet tool when we started Tiller, but we knew our, our, our MO was to build a better personal finance tool. And it was out of interviews with customers that we found the most engaged people were using spreadsheets. And they were going through a lot, in some cases, heartache and hassle to get their data in. And a lot of them were reinventing the wheel uh, with some of their templates and uh, or with the spreadsheets they were building. So we built Tiller to solve those problems. We feed the data in. And you can use our templates or build your own or do some combination of both. A lot of people start with our templates and then just modify them. And, and uh, if they're comfortable with a spreadsheet, you can, you can do anything with it. It's your data. It's your spreadsheet. And that's Tiller. Yeah, and I, I keep using the word budget, but it's really not just a budget tool. I mean, your, your net worth tracking, right. other things like that. What, what, other, what other features are people using it for? Yeah. So another big win this year was we won the FinTech Break Breakthrough Award for the best net worth management tool out there on the web, which was huge. And we have a lot of people who do track their net worth in Tiller. You can pull in all of your, again, all of your linked accounts, your assets, your liabilities, see your net worth. In addition, you can add in, in addition to linked accounts, you can add in accounts that might be off the balance sheet, like that, well, that aren't in a, in a financial institution, that loan to Uncle Vinny or uh, that, uh, <laughs> that uh, you know, painting on the wall or whatever. So you can, uh, or the car that you own that you want to record the value for. So you can you can add in your uh, um, those manual assets. You have your linked accounts, the spreadsheet ups, updates every day. That's a big use case for us, people who just want to see, where am I? How am I doing this month? Am I doing better than I was last month? We actually have, you mentioned budgeting. We have more people who use Tiller to track their finances and track their spending than to budget. We, we obviously support both. But the beauty of a spreadsheet is you, you do it your way. So a lot of people, they just want to, 
they just want to track their expenses. They, maybe they want to uh, just keep an eye on on flow. Maybe they want to flag uh, work related expenses or tax related expenses. Uh, maybe they sort of just want to keep an uh, um, an eye on some other categories, but they don't want to live in a budget per se. We have a template that's just built around tracking. We have the budget template, as I mentioned, the get out of debt template, uh, and uh, and then you know customers sign up for different special purposes. They're working. On a, um, they have a side business that they want to track with Tiller. Uh, that business is a whole new area that we're we're seeing actually a lot of small business. We're seeing a lot of activity. Or uh, maybe they uh, they have uh, a work credit card and they just want to make sure they're flagging their expenses that they need to get reimbursed from the office. It's a spreadsheet, right? You get your data into it. You can do whatever you want. So uh, the, the the ways people are using Tiller are as varied as the uh, as the way people use any spreadsheet. It's pretty pretty neat to see. That's great. That's great. And you know, uh, you you said uh, your customer review that you read earlier was saying that somebody had uh, spent a lot of time with Mint in the past. So what are yes. the what are the advantages over Mint? Sure, sure. So yeah, Mint's a, a really well known tool. Mint was uh, uh, when it came out in two thousand seven was really innovative. Uh, uh, I would argue it hasn't changed a lot since then, which I think is is too bad because I think there's some missed opportunity for them. Uh, but Mint, so uh, Mint's a free tool. We're a subscription tool. You know, this, um, as the saying goes, if you aren't paying for the product, uh, you are the product. <laughs> and we really wanted to align our, uh, our business with our customers. We don't uh, sell our customers data. We don't give them ads based on what they're doing. We, it's a monthly subscription of $60, sorry, an annual subscription, $60 a year, works out to $5 a month. And that's how we make money, period. So we've really built our business model to align our interests with our customers. And also, Mint has a certain set of ways it does things. It has a way to budget. It has a way to track. Uh, it has a way to use categories. And we, and that does work for some folks, but ultimately, the people who come to us are people who, who want more flexibility than that. They they are finding themselves aggravated. Ah, Mint does it this way, and I really wish I could do it that way. And with their data in a spreadsheet, you can do it anyway. And so uh, scoring, you know, that's a big hit for us is the flexibility. We also, getting into the nitty-gritty, we just treat categories differently. Mint tries to learn your categories, and it gets it right 80% of the time. And uh, a lot of people get really aggravated by correcting it on that 20%. We both make it really easy for people who just want to manually categorize, and we have a cool tool called AutoCAT that allows you to really create your own rules at a very uh, specific level if you want it to categorize uh, automatically. And so we give people more, a lot more control over categories as well. I love that the, the example that you use for the categories. I'll go to see a Lions game with my family, and I'll go to Ford Field, and I'll get a beer. And then uh, when my when my mint comes through, it always categorizes it as an auto expense because it says Ford, you know. So it, so it thinks it's I'm, I'm paying for my car or something like that. It's it's one that it, it just can't seem to learn, even even though I keep refreshing it and trying to make it work. Yes. <laughs> There's a great Reddit thread. Uh, if you Google search "ultimate budgeting," sorry, "ultimate budget automation replacing Mint with Tiller," uh, there was a redditor Saul One who published this whole review on moving from uh, Mint to Tiller and why he did it, and and uh, and sort of the, the the pros and the cons, huh. and sort of walks that through, and, and sort of why he's why he happily moved to Tiller. It's a great thread if if anyone's interested in. And, and thinking more in a more detailed way about the, the merits. Yeah, shoot that over to me. I'd love to include that I in will. the show notes. That would be Fantastic. great. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, with that, I mean, there's probably something in that article about 
um, transferring some historic data or transactions from Mint to Tiller. Is that a possibility or how does that work? Absolutely. Uh, so you can, you can export your data in a CSV file out of Mint and you can throw it into your uh, Tiller sheet. And then, of course, from that point forward, Tiller's going to uh, um, add in new transactions every day. The, the pizza you bought yesterday is going to be in your Tiller sheet today. Uh, but yes, you can do that. And there's another, also for your show notes, there's a, we've written a piece called importing your mint.com transaction data into a Google sheet spreadsheet. So, uh, I'll, I'll share that as well for anyone who is thinking about making that switch. That's great. Well, you talked a little bit about the pricing model. So how does that work? Do I pay on an annual subscription or can I pay by month? What, what are my options for, for paying? Yep. Great. It's an annual subscription. It's $59. Your first 30 days are, it's a free trial. Your first 30 days, uh, before you have to pay. And then also we do in the first quarter, if it's a money back guarantee for any reason, if Tiller's not meeting your needs, uh, we'll refund you as well. Excellent. And I'll just, uh, I'll talk to you guys about the customer service. It's fantastic. Uh, they get back to you quickly. If you do have any questions about how to work certain things, they're there and they'll help you to figure it out. So it's it's been a great experience with uh, uh, me util- utilizing Tiller. And if you guys want to have that 30-day free trial and you want to support this show, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tiller. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tiller. That supports both Peter and I in our, in our small business growth here. Uh, so, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight about the enhancements with the new Tiller updated program. And I'm excited to see you soon at FinCon, my friend. Andy, likewise, thanks so much for having me here. I love your show, and it's a, it's a treat. Thank you. What a jam-packed episode. That was a lot of fun catching up with my good friend, L, hearing all these incredible goals that everybody has in the Marriage, Kids, and Money community, and then looping up with my friend Peter on all the happenings with Tiller. So thanks so much, everybody, for being here today. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 89. Woo, 89. This month on the show, we have a stellar set of guests with four more Mondays this month. We get an extra show in July. All right. Next week, the popular personal finance blogger, Physician on Fire, he joins us to talk about how financial independence has allowed him to travel the world with his young kids. The week after, we're chatting with the dynamic entrepreneur duo, Tom and Ariana Sylvester, and they're going to be chatting with us about how to grow your side hustle into a full-time gig. The following Monday, Cash Crunch Games founder Paul Vasey will be helping our children avoid the future paycheck-to-paycheck rat race. It's going to be a good one. And for the last Monday of the month, I'll be joined by the co-host of The Drink Podcast, Mark Bover, for a candid chat about why parents still need their own identity outside of the label of mom and dad. Very cool chat. So join me for an incredible July, my friends. It's going to be a good one. As Ellen and I chatted about at the top of the show, if you want to keep the conversation going with us, please hang out at the Thriving Families community on Facebook. Just go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Charles Dickens. 
No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. Sharing your knowledge, dreams, and goals can help so many. Carpe diem!